This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of At The Turn. Happy Boxing Day, Canada. Nick, how was your Christmas? Because it's December 26th right now. Yeah, it totally is. It's such a good Christmas. Got everything you wanted. The kids were happy. No one fought. Just perfect day. It was absolutely perfect. How's Paris? Uh, it's great. It's great. I'm actually on a plane right now to London and Paris, and I'm recording this. The technology they have on British Airways is unbelievable. Crystal clear coming in over the North Atlantic, if you can believe it. That's neither here nor there. You want a Christmas present for yourself? Did you not get what you wanted? You're in luck. For one more week through the end of December, if you go to Apple Podcasts and you rate at the turn five stars, you leave a review for the recipe for an Arnold Palmer beverage. You're automatically entered to win this beautiful limited edition Arnold Palmer ball marker from Matchstick Golf, a collaboration with Muni Kids. That's all you got to do. It's pretty easy. You're automatically entered. If you put the most pizzazz on your review, you'll have a better chance to win. I'm going to leave it at that. The other piece of business, Nick. That survivor pool. Starting to get mm. some people in there. My brow beating has worked. That pool is filling up. Nick is in. Ashley in. is in. Oh, she is. She she signed up before you, bud. Wow. Yeah. That's surprising. So if you want in, if you're unfamiliar, here's what we're doing. Starting with the Tournament of Champions, which is my goodness, next week, we're doing a survivor pool for the PGA Tour. All you gotta do is pick. One person to make the cut each week. If it's a non-cut event like the TOC, they just got to make the top 25. So kind of a softball to kick things off. Once you use a golfer, you can't use them again. You can't ride JT all season, for goodness sakes. That guy's not going to miss many cuts. If you're interested, it's $10, winner takes all. Send us a DM on Instagram, on Twitter. Send Nick a DM. Send me a DM. Don't, we'll do get not you send hooked me up. A DM. Don't send Nick a DM. Send it to There's either. zero chance you'll get entered into the pool if you DM me. <laughs> Joe Simon says, or at the turn pod. And you have until, well, the tournament starts Hawaii time on January 5th. So I'd say probably midday morning of January 5th, you have a chance to get in. 
if one single person sends me a message, I wish I joined that survivor pool, the podcast is going to shut down. We're not doing any more episodes. That's how mad I'm going to be. Nick is going to be doing this podcast by himself, maybe with Gavin, maybe with Ashley. I won't be a part of it. The bottom line is DM me or at the at the turn pod handle and we'll get you hooked up for the survivor pool. Now, Nick, you have a very interesting interview coming up a little bit later on in the podcast. Anything you want to say about it? You want to tease the people real quick? Yeah. I mean, I had an awesome conversation with Bryn Walker. She is entering her third year on the Epson tour this year. And she just gives a really honest um, evaluation of what it's like being on kind of up and coming the feeder tours, trying to get her LPGA tour card, um, kind of the financials, the emotionals, the just everything that goes along with that. And uh, it's really awesome. It was a great chat. Uh, we've broken the barrier of, of having somebody on at the turn podcast who plays golf for a living. So uh, An active professional golfer. It's very right. exciting. So for folks that aren't familiar, the Epson tour, that is the like the level below the LPGA. Is it two levels below? Where does it sit? It's the level below. It's like basically the Corn Ferry Tour uh, on the women's side. So you play well enough on the Epson Tour, you get your LPGA Tour card. That's the goal. That's what that's what they're all playing for. I can't wait for that. That's going to be coming up a little bit later. Before we get to that, Nick, I had to squeeze in a Mad Golfer of the Week. And you'll find out why in a second. First of all, it is brought to you by Piper Golf Tour Quality Golf Balls at Amateur Prices. Golf Monthly says the Piper Black might be the best golf ball you've never heard of and the best value in its category. Get an even better value using our promo code TURN10 at checkout for 10% off. Now, if you're a loyal listener to the program, this will sound familiar. We go to Glendevere Golf Course, my former home course. It's now the former home course. The September 19th episode lays out this in probably too much detail. But if you want to go back, I would encourage you. It's pretty crazy. The short version is, in the club championship we had this year, a two-shot penalty was assessed to the leader that was hotly debated by not only the men's club, the head pro of Glendevere Golf Course, the Oregon Golf Association got involved with this whole process. So a lot of people were involved here. The title was in the balance. One person won, one person lost. And the person who lost, I, I wouldn't say I they took it. it well, Nick. Well, I just have a question. You said the, the the leader was assessed the penalty. I was thinking that the leader actually ended up not being assessed the penalty. Excuse me. The leader was not assessed the penalty. Correct. Okay. Just wanted yes. to clarify. Yes. Thank you. If you go back to the September 19 episode, you can get a blow by blow of it. But suffice it to say. I would actually highly recommend doing that. I know you're downplaying it. That's a super entertaining episode, and I would highly recommend going back and listening to that one. Besides the episode we did earlier in the year with Tom Etzel, who was the member at Pumpkin Ridge when Live Golf was coming, that was our most popular episode of the year. The club championship controversy may have been our second most popular, the one that I personally got the most feedback on. So the guy who lost sent the men's club, not just the people in charge of this decision, but the entirety of the Glendivere men's club, even those who probably didn't play an event all year but are still on the emailing list, we all got a series of emails over the summer, which, again, we go over in that September 19th episode. I thought, okay, that's it. We'll see what happens in 2023. Not so fast, my friend. Nick Schweitzer, for the second time this year, is our mad 
Golfer of the Week. On December 3rd, at 12.40 a.m., this email was sent to the men's club titled, Enforcing Bylaws. What good are the bylaws if they are not enforced? This year, the bylaws clearly state we play by USGA rules. Roger, Charlie, and Howie allowed some players who hit the water to take a drop on the other side of the water right next to the green. When I brought the black and white rule in the bylaws to their attention, the response I got was, take me to court. A very odd response. I don't know how else to compel them to follow the bylaws. I said, there is no shame in saying on a closer read of the bylaws, you can't really drop your ball past the water right next to the green. The only thing I can think, and I can't be sure, is the egos of the committee are bigger than the bylaws. So that went to everybody. I gave it a good laugh. I showed Lace, and I'm like, look at this guy. He's still, this tournament ended four months ago. What is <laughs> What does he think is going to change? I thought that was it, Nick. Yeah. Seems like a good good way to get your message across. I was wrong. Because two days later, another email titled Duty. And the only thing it says in this email to the same group, again, everybody in the men's club, says the board members have a duty to enforce the bylaws. That's the whole email. That's it. That's all he sent. It's like, all right. I all... I talked to Lacey and I was like, I'm, I'm going to reply to this guy. Okay. I didn't, but I just wanted Ugh. this because, because I was like, I just have had enough with this guy. And I wanted to say something snarky, like Nick, I'm not really trying to share what you're get at here. <laughs> you're just like, <laughs> can you, can you explain in more detail what outcome you want? You just <laughs> stoke the fire a little bit because again, yeah. I'm leaving this club next year. I, this whole thing has gotten so ridiculous. The idea that this guy is still in the men's club after all of this ranting and raving is kind of crazy to me, too. There's one more email. The very next day. It's titled, Bylaws Legally Binding. Here's what the email says. Hmm. I'd open that. The bylaws are not a suggestion. As a nonprofit with members, it's a legally binding contract. They clearly state, USGA rules and enacted local rules once it was established that there was no enacted local rule per Andrew head golf professional. I have it in writing. It's USGA rules only. The USGA rules are precise that you have to drop your ball on the side of the water. It last crossed. You cannot drop on the other side of the water. The board members have a duty to enforce the bylaws they do not have the power to decide not to play by the rules. I came to the board members and showed them the bylaws and the USGA rule. They decided not to enforce the rule and allowed play that is against the rules. They can't do that. Here's the kicker. I have been patient with them and tried to resolve this matter in-house to no avail. This is a man who has sent seven emails to the entirety of the men's club claiming that he tried to resolve it in-house, but to no avail. It, now, Nick, if you were in the Glendiver Men's Club, I'm just going to throw this at you. Mm -hmm. Is this guy 86th, or do you keep him in? Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Because the, the funny thing is, the thing that I actually think is the most entertaining about this whole thing is that at the end of the day, 
on paper, this guy is right. So <laughs> he is just like, he'll take it to his grave that it, it should go down another way and nobody will listen to him. So he's just so mad. He's just, and he has no voice because nobody responds to him or nobody gives him what he wants. And it just makes him even, even more mad. So that's kind of why it's entertaining. But like, I, I think, I really think he's right. And I don't really know. He's hinting at a lot of like legal action where they said like, take me to court. And then he's like, bylaws are legally binding and it's a legally binding contract. Um, so I'm curious if like, he really is planning on taking them to court. I don't think I would, if he was clearly wrong and like you could prove it by the rules, then I would say get out of here. But like he really, you really can't say he's not right. You're just like, hey, well, we we made the wrong decision and we don't want to change it now. But that's not going to satisfy him, so nobody's saying anything. So no, I don't kick him out. Um, but I, I give him like all the bad pairings. I guess he probably is the bad pairing, so I don't know who he's sticking with. But um, you know, you can give him the uh, the silent, unfavorable treatment. Two movie analogies come to mind. The first one is Big Lebowski, where John Goodman is screaming at, at, at Jeff Bridges. And Jeff John Goodman is like, am I wrong? Am I wrong? And Jeff Bridges say, no, you're not wrong. You're just an asshole. And that's what's happening here. He's not yeah. wrong, but he's going about it so poorly that whatever message he's trying to get across is getting completely lost because he's coming off like such a dick in all of this. The other one. I hope you're familiar with this because it's the most apropos analogy. Swingers. Do you know swingers at all? No. That's a shame. Yeah, well, one person's going to be really excited by this analogy listening to this podcast who gets this reference. There is a scene in which John Favreau, the main character, meets a woman at a bar. He's excited about it, calls her that night, leaves a voicemail, decides the first voicemail doesn't go well, leaves a second voicemail. He gets cut off, leaves a third voicemail trying to explain the second voicemail. And it's just this deeply uncomfortable succession of voicemail is he leaves like six until she finally picks up and says, don't ever call me again. <laughs> and that's how the scene ends. And that's how I feel about this. At some, If he continues this way, someone, because someone else besides me is considering replying to this guy. Someone is going to reply to this guy and say, can you knock this off, you lunatic? What are you doing? So is he still asking for the decision to be reversed? I think he still thinks he can win this tournament. He's still got a chance. I think he thinks he could win this tournament. What I want to do, what I, really, the best move might be, would be like, hey, guys, I know that by the letter of the law, I finished T5 in this tournament, but on the third hole in the first day, and just lay out this long ruling and just try to, like, make a crazier suggestion than he is actually doing. I just, I hope... At some point in my life, again, like I, I, I absolutely love golf, and like it's it, it brings me, it truly brings me a lot of joy. But I just, I just hope at some point in my life, like something will be this important to me, something that's like literally inconsequential, like who won the Glendivere twenty twenty two Men's Club Championship, so inconsequential to anybody except for like the people involved. I hope something will be that important to me that like for months and months and months on end, I cannot let it go. I can't give it up. I burden everybody else around me with this, with this lunacy, because honestly, if this happened to me, if this happened to us in our beloved golf tournament, it, you know, it would be like, you have a few drinks, you kind of bitch and moan about it for the rest of the night. Yeah. And like, maybe like every year you tell your buddies like, Oh, I should have won that tournament. Ah, oh, the committee didn't know what they were doing. And like, that's that you don't like, kind of imply a threat of legal act. like I, I don't understand what he thinks is going to happen I think however 
I don't know what the communication with him has been. Somebody needs to say the decision is final. Right. We're, we're revisiting it, whether it's right or wrong. I, th- I think somebody needs to tell him what he wants to hear is that he's right. Like, Nick, look, you're right. We made a mistake. We're The decision is final. We're not reviewing it. We're not reversing it. Um, better luck next year. I think if someone was to admit that, though, to him, he would go even crazier. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who wants to know he's right. He, he, he wants the decision reversed and nothing else will do. And to me, an important point is this guy has won the club championship before. It's not like that he's been grinding away for 30 years and this is the only crack at it. He's won this tournament before. So who cares? Just move on. It's so exhausting. Yeah. So I didn't know you, you changed clubs. Um, how? Yep. First of all, where are you going? And how much of a factor did this play in it? This wasn't the main reason why, but it was certainly like, all right, well, enough with this place. Because there's a course down the road in Oregon City. That's probably five minutes farther away from me and my dad. The course is probably my favorite course in the whole area. The most fun layout, drains the best. And you go to their website and the men's club is laid out so cleanly. There's 300 guys. It's incredibly organized, good tournaments, really good players, a lot of senior players, which is going to be good for my dad so he can have a good competition on the senior side of things. It just makes the most sense. It's Saturday games instead of Sunday games. They have a weekly game, which is going to be great because my dad's been threatening to retire for a long time, but he hasn't. And I think this will be a good excuse. It's like, Dad, you can play golf with your group on Wednesdays at 11 a.m., or you can answer all these bullshit emails. What, how do you want to spend your 70s, Dad? How do you want to spend the next 10 years? Uh, so point. pretty pretty easy choice. Great course, great club, great vibes. I love everything about it. And the kicker, they're big supporters of Special Olympics. And during nice. the pandemic, when Special Olympics didn't have enough funding to run golf tournaments, my brother's been a part of Special Olympics golf for like, I don't know, 15 years. They still put on tournaments like at cost to them. So the Special Olympic golfers like had places to go. There's just a lot of great stuff about this club. So pretty easy choice. I probably should have done it last year. Just loyal to Glenavere because it's the course I grew up on. Yeah, for sure. I hear you. Good stuff. Nick, I'm excited. I wasn't sure if it was going to happen, but it does look like we are ready for Nick Rules. Use promo code TURN20 at checkout at Matchstick Golf. Use song fanny. Yeah, I had no idea where to go with this one, really. But um, I landed on the topic of penalty areas, Joe. And I just wanted to let you know, and all of our listeners who listen to this podcast and that famous podcast from September, that for either red or yellow penalty areas, you can play from where your last stroke was made, absorbing the stroke and distance penalty, or take back on the line relief by going as far back as you'd like on the line between the hole and where your ball last crossed the edge of the fairway. Also, in a red penalty area, you have the additional option of taking lateral relief within two club lengths of where your ball last crossed into the penalty area. Now, do you know if the controversy, the player in in question at the Glendivere Championship followed either of those three options? I don't, and I have to be honest. I'm I'm like so far in the forest, I don't even see trees anymore with this ruling. Mm. There's an implied drop area. There's where you're supposed to drop it. He used the implied drop area, which is what everybody uses. So technically, he broke the rules. He played two balls. They went with the implied. He won the tournament. I I know that doesn't answer your question at all. 
No, I think it does answer the question. Anyways, that's Nick Rules. Great. Thank you, Nick. Well, without further ado, if you're here for Bryn Walker, it's a wonderful conversation that Nick had with her about what it's like trying to get to the LPGA Tour. We'll talk to you next year. Enjoy the holidays. Be safe. Sign up for the Survivor Pool. Leave your review with the Arnold Palmer. We love you. Joining us today is Bryn Walker. She just finished up her second year on the Epson Tour. And if you are interested in following Bryn, if this conversation just grips you, she's got an awesome story, be sure to follow her blog, BrynCWalker.com. That's Bryn with two N's. And follow her on Instagram, BrynCWalker on Instagram. As an amateur, she played at the University of North Carolina. She won the Philadelphia Women's Amateur and reached the round of 32 at the U.S. Women's Amateur. Bryn, where does your story with golf begin? How did you get into the game and how did you decide that you were going to pursue it competitively? Yeah, thank you for having me on, Nick. Um, golf kind of came to me. The reason it came was uh, my brother. He, um, I was, He's seven years older than me, and I was a big tomboy when I was younger, so I just followed everything that he did. And luckily, he was very nice to let me tag along all the time. So um, when he was in high school, he was a late bloomer. He was like 5'10", graduating high school, and he's 6'4 now. So it took him a little bit of time to grow, but um, he was playing football. He's just getting beat up, and his homeroom teacher was the golf coach, and he said, why don't you try out for golf? And we always thought of it as, like, the old people's sport. Like, my grandpa would go play and everything, so we were like, we don't we don't need to do that. Um, but then he went, and I went with him to a driving range and just got hooked hitting drivers. I was like, this is so much fun. Um, and then later that day, brought bought my first set. Um, and at the same time, we didn't know it, but my dad was joining a golf club not actually for golf reasons. He has three daughters and he thought for weddings, it would be a good idea, but um, <laughs> no one's getting married there, but it ended up being my home for the next seven, eight years. I was there every day. So um, just played with my brother and got into it. And then it just took off from there and got the bug and got into different tournaments and things like that and um, still have it. That's awesome. So you were growing up in the Philadelphia area in Pennsylvania, is that right? Yeah, I grew up just outside Philadelphia, like 30 minutes, kind of in like that mecca of golf where we have like Marion, Aronimic, um, all those great golf courses. So I grew up in a smaller course, St. David's Golf Club. It was like three minutes from my house, so I could get up and back every day all the time. So, um, yeah, it was a great place to grow up for golf. A lot of good golf courses and bent grass and bent green. So, uh, I don't know. I was spoiled when I came down south. I saw the Bermuda. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so so that so your amateur career led you to the University of North Carolina. You played your college golf there. Um at what point were you like, okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go pro. I mean like I'm I'm a bogey golfer. I and I'm like I hit one good shot and I'm like, I should I should definitely go pro. But like you must have been like on a hot streak to be like, okay, yes, I am gonna pursue this professionally. Was that while you were in college? Did you did you decide that before you even made it to college? Uh what was that? What was that like? Yeah, I think it kind of goes back to my childhood, honestly. So I picked up the game. I was like eight, um, and I just always loved sports. I played everything, baseball, basketball. And when I was playing baseball, I was like, I'm going to be the first girl in the MLB. Like, you guys watch me. And so I think I always knew I wanted to play professional sports at some point. Um, Then once I got to golf, I was like, this is awesome. I think as far as women's professional sports go, golf is a great one and it's in really good shape. Um, And I knew that back then. And um, I think the turning moment for me was probably when I was like 10. I went to the U.S. Open at Women's Open at Saucon Valley um, and I saw Lorena Ochoa and she, 
I don't know why, but she was shorter and it doesn't matter at all, but she's like five, five. And at that time I was the same height as her. And I turned to my uncle that took me and I'm like, she's the same height as me. Like I could definitely beat her. (laughs) So I think at that moment, I was like, I, I really want to play professionally. Um, And then just kind of always from there on out, had my eyes on it and knew after college, that would be what I'd be doing. Awesome. So you've spent the last two years on the Epson tour slash the Metro tour. Um, what, what is life like, um, coming up through that tour? I know you mentioned you've, you've had some injuries that have, that have, you know, caused some hurdles along the way. I mean, it's, it's gotta be such a grind. How would you describe your life, you know, on that tour? It's definitely a grind. I think, um, it's different than I ever imagined. Um, cause when you're growing up, you just kind of see the glitz and glam of it, but there are, um, there's a lot of like perks and high moments and then there's a lot of the, the grindy in between. And I think um, I played in an LPGA event when I was 18. And so I got that taste right away. And there's a little bit of difference that Epson tour is doing a great job growing and stuff, but there's a big difference between the top tier and the mini mini tour. Um, so I think that I have my eyes set on that, but um, I think there's definitely like you're on a golf course every single day. So that's like a huge blessing. And I think when you keep your eyes focused on that, you're like, this is amazing. I'm playing golf for a living. Um, But the injury this year has definitely been difficult for me. I've had to sit out a lot of times and then it's just kind of set me back timeline wise. But I think at the same time, it's made me stronger mentally because I've learned to try to overcome it, try to find ways to get better when you can't swing a club club. Um, And then, just use the time to rest and kind of see the perspective in it. But um, overall, it's unbelievable. Some of the places, like I wrote one blog, it was other places you go. And it was when we were in Utah. And like, I would never, ever go to this spot in Utah unless it was for a golf tournament. So it's really neat to see. Um, it's so much fun to get to compete like every single week almost. Um, and just to have fun with it, I think is the key because sometimes you can get in the grind of like you're traveling every day, you're in a hotel, you're far away from home, things like that. Um, so I think I learned this year after my first year, I tried to have a better balance of not going like six, seven weeks in a row um, playing. Uh, but then at one point when I was at home for like six weeks, I was like, I'd be fine with being on the road for another six weeks and get the swing club. But um, there's the ups and downs, but it's a, it's a job in some ways. And I think that is, as far as jobs go, it's pretty good. Yeah. You, you mentioned that the, the high highs and the low lows, like what's, what's the highest high? Like what's, what's the, the, the best feeling, the best moment where you're like, yes, this is what I was made to do. This is working exactly how I planned. Like what's that, what's that highest high for you so far? I think it's the feeling of like when you're in really good position going into Sunday, um, you've just played really good and you enjoyed it too. I think there's times that I've played well and I haven't enjoyed it because I've been so focused on like, I've got to grind this out. I got to stay in the zone. Um, and one tournament, it was last year at, it was my best finish of the year, um, at French Lick in Indiana. And I had my sister caddying for me and we just had fun. I just let go of the results from the start of the week and it ended up I played my best and I was in the lead with like four holes to go on Sunday and so um I think that's like the highest five when you like taste it I haven't like capitalized on the pace because winning in golf is not the easiest thing compared to other sports but um I think when you can taste it and then just appreciate the moment that you were in when you get there and not I didn't end up winning that tournament. And then when I went downhill, I got frustrated. I had to step back and be like, well, you were in that position. So that's a win in and of itself. So I think it's just keeping that in mind. 
Yeah, it's it's so crazy how often you hear people say that when they when they stop caring about the result, they they start to get better results. And it's so hard to like try to not try. It's, it's this crazy conundrum. Yeah, <laughs> it's the stupidest thing for um like golf makes no sense. It's a game of opposites. Like if you wanna make it go up, you gotta hit down on it. You wanna make it draw, <laughs> you gotta swing out to the right, it just makes no sense. But I mean, I think that's part of the fun of it is like learning yourself in this whole process. Mm-hmm. So on the other end of that, like, what's the moment that was the lowest low so far on the Epson tour? I mean, there, there's, there's high highs, there's low lows. It's a grind. What's, can you pinpoint one moment where you're like, damn, man, this is, this is a lot harder than I thought it would be. Oh, man, seems like there's a lot of those sometimes when you're like driving in between, but I would probably say this year, the lowest low, I, I was in Utah right before I wrote that blog of the places you go, or it was just right after. I mean, and, uh, I had, it was freezing. The weather was awful. And my shoulder was hanging on by a limb the whole tournament. And my mom was caddying and I was like, mom, I just want to fight. Like, let me see if I can just make the cut. I know this is probably the last tournament I'm going to play in a while. Cause I'll go home. And we had the MRI scheduled and everything. And so I just tried to grind it out and I was just like in tears at the end of it, just in pain. And then I had to decide at that point to, canceled my next trip which is going to Kansas and and pull out of the tournaments and so I think that was just a moment of like oh like everything you want kind of gets stripped away from you um but you bounce back from it um and I think that's in every single low you learn how to bounce back and you just only grow stronger so I try to look at it like that in those moments and then when you can gain perspective a little bit afterwards it's a lot better that's awesome uh, you wrote on the LPGA.com about missing out on your U.S. Open qualifier last year. Can you share that story with us and what the U.S. Open means to you and, and what you learned that week instead? Yeah, I think um, the U.S. Open for me is like that's where my dream originated. I talked about that a little bit earlier with Larry Ochoa. And since then, I've always had a picture of the U.S. Open trophy in my room. And as an American, like the U.S. Open and the Solheim Club have just been my dreams. And so I think... Um, when I turned professional, I, or even when I was younger, it was just always one of my goals, qualify for the US Open, qualify for the US Open. And I've played in every other USGA event you can play in as a female, and I just haven't played in the US Open. And so to miss out on an opportunity as a professional to qualify was hard to swallow. Um, and I couldn't see it at the moment. And then uh, my grandpa, who had a huge influence in my life, his best friend um, had passed away that week, and I got to go to his funeral. And he was as American as they came, always wore an American pin on his chest. And I think it just kind of all clicked for me when I was sitting there that there's a reason that you can miss out on it is to like gain perspective sometimes on what it truly means and not all, all about myself all the time. So I think that was the lesson I learned on, on missing that. And so there's silver linings and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing you wrote about, which, which caught my eye, I'm, I'm from Idaho and, and you went and played a tournament at Circling Raven and um, wrote a post about how just you, you were surprised, you know, how much you liked Idaho. You never would have been there if it weren't for golf, um, but, but it kind of opened your eyes to a new part of the country. Um, can you talk about, you know, that experience? I know a lot of our listeners probably have, have played Circling Raven. Um, and just how often does that happen where you go to a place you never would have gone and it's completely different than you might have expected? Yeah, I... Um... I missed Idaho last year because of the way that it fit into the schedule. And it was like one of those things I was trying to learn time off. Like it gave me a four week period to work on a game. And 
after everybody went and I heard all like the raving reviews, I was like, I'm not missing that next year. And then they added Oregon and Idaho next to each other so we could bounce back and forth. Um, and it was when I got there and I got to Coeur d'Alene, I was like, this is so cool. We spent the day on the lake. And I just think it's like those places I would never be like, I'm going to go on vacation to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, even though I guess it's becoming a really big spot since I've been there. Um, but even like aside from the Coeur d'Alene part, I think going to Circling Raven, the drives and seeing the countryside, it was just so neat. Um, and one of those times where I'm like, golf takes me to incredible places. And um, Circling Raven was just so cool, the views and everything. And I wish I could have played a little bit better, but I would love to go back and try to figure that course out a little bit more. But um, I just think there's so many awesome places in this country and beyond um, that we get to go see for golf. And that was one, kind of one of those moments. But yeah. As a Idaho native, I mean, it was awesome. You guys treated us very well. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you had a good experience, and, and hope you uh, hope you get to go back and have some more fun and, and some more success there. Uh, so the Epson Tour, it's not like the PGA Tour where there's events pretty much every single week of the year. It's a little more limited. It's just as expensive to travel across the country for the Epson Tour as it is for any other tour. Um, you have to perform well to make a little bit of money. You have to perform well to to reach your ultimate goals. All of that equates to just a ton of pressure. How do you deal with that pressure? Do you embrace it? Do you try to ignore it? Do you put it aside and just try to play well? Like how how do you just keep each shot into perspective when there's kind of so much riding on every shot? Yeah, I think that the idea that I always try to keep in mind is to take care of like all the finances and everything that way ahead of time. And that's why you have great sponsors to support you. Um, mine have always been incredible and they know that this is like a long haul journey um, and it's learning and making progress every single year. And so I think that that helps alleviate the pressure a ton, doesn't put it away because it's everything's expensive and like the Epson tour, the entry fees are higher than the LPGA, even like Corn Ferry. And then there's not as big of a purse. So I think that makes it hard, but um, I think, when you can set it aside and like compartmentalize in your brain, like, listen, I'm going to think about finance when I'm away from the golf course. And when I'm on the golf course, it's just golf and just playing the game. Um, that's usually what helps me and ends up in the best result. So I think it's so hard sometimes when you're like, damn, I missed like a three foot putt. And that was like $3,000, but you got to kind of get away from that. Kind of like the, the amateur who pays $600 to play Pebble Beach and then blasted out of bounds and they're like ah you yeah. just gotta keep the, the the money you spend separate from the golf you're playing yeah. that makes sense and the money on does balls so the purpose of playing the epson tour is to make the lpga tour what are you working on what are you doing now that is like going to get you to the next level is it just like if i could just become a better putter is just making every part of your game a little bit better like what's the difference between your game and, and your game when you reach the lpga lpga tour yeah um so the biggest difference for me is short game always. I think like that's where you can make the biggest strides a lot of times. Um, and it's really been the only thing I've been able to put a lot of hours into this year because of my amount of time on the range is limited. And so um, I've been working with Brad Faxon actually a lot on putting and that's been huge help. And when I was getting into the beginning of the season, I dropped like three strokes per green on the, on the course. So I think that was super helpful. And, um, if I can kind of stay on that track and just gain more and more confidence on the putting green and making, you know, everything inside six feet and then just dropping a few between like 15 and 20 feet. Um, I think that is really the biggest difference that would 
take me from being on the Epson tour to the LPGA tour. And I mean, a good putter takes away so much pressure off the rest of your game. So I think it'd take pressure off my approach shots, having to hit them so close and everything. Um, Cause usually that's a strong suit in my game. Um, I used to struggle with the driver, but that's become one of my most accurate parts. So really just now it's narrowing it down to putting. Um, and for next year, just making sure that I have no injuries. <laughs> yeah. Staying healthy. It makes a big difference. Yeah. It makes it a lot easier to improve every day. What's the hardest part of life on tour? Loneliness, no doubt. I think everybody struggles with that. Um, it's just that you're playing every day with other people and you have your friends that you see, but a lot of times your times, like tea times, don't match up, so you don't really get to get dinner with them or see them or anything. Um, and then you're also competing against each other all the time. And it's if you have your best friends out there, you're really lucky. Uh, for me, a lot of my best friends are home and my family is home, so that can be hard. Uh, but I think there's a lot of lonely nights in hotels and airports driving um, and just not even part of being alone that I've learned is that like dealing with your own brain when you're alone. It's not even the fact that you're alone and like you can't hang out with anyone. It's just kind of trying to shut your brain off. So I think for learning yourself, it's like a great thing, even though it can be difficult. Um, but I would say most people probably struggle with that. If you can have someone to travel with you, super lucky. But um loneliness and then like fatigue just getting tired yeah what's the best part getting to play golf and compete I mean that's what we we show up every day to do so I think that playing a game every single day and not being in an office or anything that way for me is awesome I love it um and that's why we do everything to make sure that we can be on a golf course you're pursuing your dream of, of being a professional golfer Brian, that was the hard part. We've got ten more questions for you. Turn ten. Uh, they're rapid fire. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with the question. It could be one word answer. If you've got some context, feel free to add it. Uh, this is turn ten. Use promo code turn ten at piper.golf for ten percent off. Here we go. Hole in one or lowest round ever. Hole in one at uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the name. Darius Rucker's tournament in college, I'm going to blank on the name, on the 17th hole, and I didn't even see it go in. That's awesome. What's the what's your favorite course in your area? Favorite course ever I'm going to go with, Stowe Mountain Club in Vermont, <laughs> because my areas change all the time. <laughs> awesome. What's the oldest club in your bag? Putter. Scotty Cameron, square back. There you go. What's the most you've ever paid for a round of golf? Not including not including uh, uh, registration fees. Oh for yeah, that's tour. definitely yeah. it. <laughs> um, probably old head links. I want to say in Ireland when I went over there to play, I would say it's like four hundred, three, four hundred, something like that. Worth every penny, I imagine. Yes, definitely. That was one of the coolest experiences ever. If you have a chance to go to Ireland, definitely go play there. I would love to. What's your favorite club? My driver. It's what got me hooked on the game of golf, and it's still the one I love to pound on the range and see how far I can hit it. <laughs> That's the best answer. Um, what's the best golf-related social media account? Yours. Come on, Twitter. <laughs> there you go. I'll give you some credit. <laughs> Fade or draw? 
used to be a big drawler, but now I fade. Okay. Number nine, how early should someone arrive to the course before their tea time? If you're a trunk slammer and just want to get in the round after work, I would say it's fine to get there a minute early. Just go play. But if you want to take it seriously and be prepared for me, it's like an hour. I'd say most of our audience is probably trunk slammers. I've never heard that term before, but it perfectly sums up. <laughs> yeah. <90. laughs> People I know who play golf. All right. Last question. We'll get you out of here. What's the most important putt you've ever made? Ooh, my Probably state championship. I made like a four foot slider to win the playoff um, in high school. And that's probably the most important one I can think of. Uh, That was my first time ever winning. So I I won the following year. But yeah, to me, that was probably the most important. My heart was like, it went in. Thank God. (laughs) One of those little left to right sliders down the hill. Wow. That's awesome. Bryn, thank you so much. You've been very generous with your time. Best of luck this off season. I know you've got some big plans. Best of luck going into 2023. Again, if you want to follow Bryn's journey, BrynCWalker.com. Two ends in that Bryn. Bryn C. Walker on Instagram. Thank you so much, Bryn. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate you having me. Uh, have a happy new year and uh, best to you in 2023. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at the turn.